This is 1988 Tops, where every card has a story to tell. Your hosts are David McKellis and Matt Kuzma. Let's play ball. Welcome back to 1988 Tops. David, who's our card for this week? Matt, our card for this week is Jay Baller from the Chicago Cubs. He is number 717. Jay Baller. Jay Baller. That was my DJ name. I was DJ Jay Baller. Very successful. I did not do very well in Waco, Texas as a DJ, mostly because my taste in music is pretty questionable. Not easy to dance to, but Jay Baller is an incredible name. It's an incredible name and it's an incredible card. Well, wait, but wait, wait, before it is an incredible card and I'm, I've got the, I'm pulling it up on the Jumbotron, but apparently the klaxon has, has signaled David that we have follow-up from previous episodes that is in the queue that we need to take care of before we get to Jay Baller. So uh, let's take a look at this first up here. I have a note about Gino Petrali that there is some follow-up on Gino Petrali. Do you? I think this is a thing that we are going to have to do from time to time here. Uh, In our 20 to 30 minute episodes, we really can't hit all of the pertinent information about these important cards and the players on them. So sometimes we're going to have to do some follow up. And in this case, I think that we Twitter, while being a cesspool of social media, (laughs) is help me find something on Gino Petrali that I had never seen before. And so, Matt, I, you know, if you want to set the scene. Yeah, okay. Um, I've pulled this up here on the second screen on the Jumbotron. I'm looking here at, at YouTube, and it's taking me back to August 4th, 1993. We're at the ballpark at Arlington, Arlington, Texas. And this is the Texas Rangers playing the Chicago White Sox. And... The title of this YouTube, the, in fact, there's a, it's age-restricted because there's violence. And this is the Nolan Ryan and Robin Ventura fight. This is the one from 1993 that I really remember as Nolan Ryan giving a guy a noogie. And so that's, that's the main situation, as I recall this. That. So tell us more about what happened in this th- incident. I think that that is... Maybe this is the, you know, Robin Ventura was a pretty successful baseball player, went on to be a manager. I think he's probably best remembered for being a brash 26-year-old who charged a 46-year-old Nolan Ryan. (laughs) This was Nolan Ryan's last season, and (laughs) he was a 46-year-old pitcher for the Texas Rangers, in this game between the White Sox and the Rangers, in the second inning, uh, Juan Gonzalez, former MVP, gets hit. But supposedly before the game, there was maybe a little bit of bad blood between these two teams. And Robin Ventura had said that if he got hit, he was going to charge the mound. And it didn't. he said it didn't matter who <laughs> was pitching. <laughs> Later comes out, he also before that game had had a conversation with a team of junior Olympians that included future White Sox Paul Canerco, in which he talked to them about the importance of sportsmanship. So, you know, maybe right afterwards he went into the dugout and told his teammates that he was going to charge the mound if anybody hit him. So third inning, top of the third inning, 
Nolan Ryan retaliates for Gonzalez getting hit by throwing at Robin Ventura. And Matt, we'll put the video in the show notes, but Oh yeah, watch... absolutely. Yeah, I I can't <laughs> I imagine so that a lot of a lot of people who would listen to this podcast haven't seen this fight, but in You're going to love again... watching it again. <laughs> David, I just now reading the comments, the way that you love Wikipedia, I love YouTube comments. And I just, this one from Squeaky Reed is so good. I think Ventura got pissed because it hurt and decided to charge the mound, but halfway there realized, hey, this is Nolan Ryan, one of the greatest arms of all time. And then Nolan said, hi, I'm Nolan Ryan, and this is one of the greatest arms of all time, and proceeded to go ratty tat tat on <laughs> Speaking of cesspools, um, the... So Robin charges the mound, and it almost seemed like as soon as he got hit, he knew that this was a bad idea. But he kind of hesitates for a second and then just goes for it and charges and just kind of goes headfirst into him and just gets punched maybe five or six times in the head. And then the bench is clear. Ranger's coach gets bloodied. And it's, it's really a mess of a fight. Nolan Ryan is, I guess, remembered for winning this and he yeah, comes absolutely. out of it looking, looking much better. Lost in all of this and pertinent to 1988 Tops and our podcast history here is Gino Petralli, also in his final season with the Rangers, was not even in the lineup that day. Ivan Rodriguez was in the lineup. But Petralli gets involved in this fight, and there's a picture of somebody biting Bo Jackson. And he's biting Bo's wristband, Bo knows wristbands. This is a late... Bo Jackson, post-injury recovery. But Bo is still a big guy, and Gino Petralli is there like a bulldog biting Bo Jackson's arm. Jackson goes, the Rangers shirts just part like the Red Sea. <laughs> but apparently yeah. not Gino Petralli. <laughs> and one, and I, I see here, uh, David, you had put in the show notes that we actually have a quote this is, I believe, the klaxon was going to go off again. This is the first presidential appearance, U.S. presidential appearance on the podcast. We, well, we don't until have Charlie Huff, on the sh- well, until, until Charlie Huff gets elected. One day, one day, 2024, Huff, Huff and Puff, 24. Uh, George W. Bush, who was, uh, you know, the lead owner of the Rangers at that time, was in a box seat near the dugout. And someone asked him about it afterwards, if he was going to get on the field. And he said, I thought about it, but then I saw Bo coming out and decided to stare where I was, said George Bush. And that, that was a good idea. But apparently Gino Petralli had other ideas. Yeah, and uh, Gino um, tried to take a bite out of Bo. And I, I think that he got pulled away. But yeah, this picture showed up on Twitter the other day. And I realized that this was, you know, we maybe owed an apology to the, to the public. Yeah. For, I, for I, leaving that out of the, the previous episode. Consider this the first of many mea culpas here on the 1988 Tops podcast. Yeah. And on that note, we'll move on to the second edition, Omission. Yes. Okay. Hold up. I'm just uh, going to pull that up in the queue here. Okay. This is, uh, there's a Randy Reddy update, it looks like. Regarding, oh, regarding the team in Japan, the Chiba Latte Marines. Yes. And again, you know, as we are both the number one, your number one source for Tim Piznarski news, we're also, I think, probably 
the number one podcast for Randy Reddy News. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that episode, we talked about the Chiba Lote, I think that that is the proper pronunciation, mm-hmm. Marines, and how Randy played for them at some point before returning to the States in the 90s. And the Chiba Lote Marines are owned by a Korean corporation that started as a chewing gum company. And they're famous in Korea for snacks, department stores, hotels. They own the fifth tallest building in the world, the Lotte World Tower, wow. which is in Seoul, South Korea. They also own Korean TGI Fridays, so for your wing needs if you're in Korea. <laughs> um, among other things, petrochemicals and a Polish candy manufacturer called E. Waddell. And Matt, I know you've done some traveling in Poland. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've had Potasi Lechko. I have never heard of that. I've not had that candy. It is. Sadly. That means bird's milk, which seems disgusting to me. But the candy looked kind of delicious. It looked like a chocolate-covered soft, like a meringue. I'm not a scientist, but do birds have birds? Birds? I don't believe so. I think that's mostly mammals do that, but I'm not going to argue with the the Polish slash Korean candy company. Yes. And so they bought this this Polish candy manufacturer. And yeah, bird's milk may also be related to like a Greek mythology thing. Mm, It was an odd. Is this related? Maybe it's related to the Cadbury egg. Uh, Cream egg being, you know, with a bunny coming out of it. And they got confused. You're bringing up Cadbury leads me further down the Wikipedia rabbit hole that I was down earlier, which <laughs> is that I believe that part of the reason why the Lotte Corporation bought this candy manufacturer was because Cadbury had owned them before and they would have, when they were in a uh, conglomerate, they would have owned too big of a share of the Polish candy market. So they had to spin off this company to oh, wow. Lotte. But now we've really gotten far afield. <laughs> <laughs> Lotte, on top of owning Polish candy manufacturers, also owns a Korean baseball team, the Lotte Giants, and a Japanese team, the Chiba Lotte Marines. Mm-hmm. Chiba Lotte Marines have a lot of 1988 Tops legends, Mel Hall, Pete Incavilia. This is our third Pete Incavilia reference on. Uh, you know, this is it's going to get out of control. If we keep <laughs> talking about Pete Incavilia. Randy Reddy also played for the Chiba Lotte Marines. Wow. However, the Wikipedia article had a list of notable former players. Until yesterday, it did not include Randy Reddy. I righted that wrong. Defending the honor of Randy Reddy. Yeah, I I made sure that there wasn't some kind of limitation on notoriety to make sure that the number of games played or something. But it didn't seem like Incavilia had played for many games, so I I definitely added Randy Reddy back in there. He I think is a notable player for the Chibalote Marines. Well, for but, all the Wikipedia editors that are fans of the pod, um, I mean I think that this. Him being mentioned on this show will give him enough fame that he should qualify to be in the Wikipedia article. So we basically, we kind of have some power here, David. Anything you want to put in here all of a sudden by default because of the power of this podcast 
becomes famous enough to earn its own page or earn its own spot as a notable inclusion in other Wikipedia articles. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And in this case, if it leads to Randy Reddy being included in Wikipedia articles, that is our job here is done. Fantastic. Matt, have you seen this mascot? Let me pull it up here on the third screen of the Jumbotron. Matt, this thing is kind of a nightmare. I'm pulling it up right now. Still pulling it up right now. Oh, my God. It's terrifying. So if I had to... I'm looking here at a, a video on Twitter. About 25 seconds of a fish with legs. A fish that's walking around. And he opens up his mouth... And there is a fish skeleton inside that then jumps out and runs around in terror. He has, he, the fish that's eating the other fish, both of them look uh, like nightmares, like that will haunt my dreams. And this just says baseball to me. Yeah, Japanese mascot technology is really far ahead of American mascot technology, I think. And this isn't even the primary mascot of the Chibalote Marines. They have this other like nondescript bird that just is wearing a hat and has a baseball bat. This thing looks like a bright blue angler fish. I don't know if you know that. Like it has, it kind of catches its prey by having a little light in coming out of its head. This is a yeah. a blue fish with bright pink lips, green and black legs. And then, yeah, as you, as you said, it opens its mouth and, like, vomits out its skeleton, which... Yeah. It's it's horrifying. It's horrifying and amazing all at once. And, you know, this is, again, another omission. Maybe this we can add to our Japanese baseball podcast or, or our Chiba Lote Marines podcast. Yeah, certainly uh, the Japanese baseball mascots podcast, I think it'll fit in very well. Well, th- this is great to, at least for this week, reclose the book on, <laughs> on the past cards. But we'll definitely enter that into the record so that the listeners and into the show notes so that you can see this mascot because it's pretty amazing. Back to Jay Baller. Again, this is card 717. Yeah, Matt. Let's pull him up on the screen right here. And, and David, I think... We have yet another klaxon to go off because we have a digital airbrushing card variation for this one for 717, it looks like. The Jay Baller in the in the version that I have that I've pulled from the Beckett Guide and also from eBay. Jay Baller has got a, a very tall Cubs hat. He's got very bright lights on him. It looks like it's dark out and cloudy. And then there's bright lights on him. He's squinting. It, he does not look like he's in in good health. He has a lot of chest hair. I mean, all like, I mean, a lot, a yeah, lot. Yeah. Like Matt, just look is, at this guy. This, this is... is like Alec Baldwin level chest hair, and then gold chains, rope chains. Um, his the the shirt is is kind of V necked, which I don't remember that. It's a very was, deep V. That's a very deep that is, V-neck. That does not seem like regulation V-neck. It's also that, that, that like gym class 
penny uh material yeah this is not like this is not game regulation <laughs> uniform this is like warm up and and when i mentioned that it's dark and cloudy so this was definitely not taken in chicago like this was because that's not wrigley field behind him so it was maybe spring training which i i guess with cards like that could happen all the time but he does not look well and then where the airbrushing comes in the version i have he has a very large mole kind of black mole on his chin on what would be his the right side of his chin but but david it looks like with the version you were showing me from the set itself that that's been digitally removed is that correct <laughs> probably probably not digitally but it looks like <laughs> it has been removed on mine i i noticed this when looking at different images of this card and i don't spend a lot of time looking at jay baller but this, <laughs> when I went through the set, just putting them in numerical order, as one does on a Saturday during COVID quarantine, Jay Baller's card jumped out to me. This is this is peak 1988 tops. Yeah, he has a perm. He has a yep. mustache. He's he's looking off into the distance. He's kind of looking two directions. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a photographer, but this I'm sure that there's a there's a name for this look, but it's it's a faraway look. This is a magical card. So Jay was described as a free spirit and an enigma. Mm. He looks like a free spirit in this picture. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, and there's something about the timing of this card too that we'll get to a little bit later of Maybe what was happening to Jay around this time. But if we go to the back of the card, it's so okay. Jay was six foot seven. He's a, wow. He's a big man. Yeah. He's from Oregon. Fun fact is Jay was a 1979 graduate of Canby, Oregon Union High School, where he played baseball and basketball. Also played Little League and Babe Ruth ball. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a a thing that you probably need to add to most professional baseball players that they played <laughs> Little League. Like He played Little League. <laughs> he played baseball in high school. It might be more surprising if it if you have a guy like, I don't know, Akeem Olajuwon, who it's like didn't play basketball until he was yeah. older. You know, of course, Jay played Little League baseball and Babe Ruth baseball. Yeah. He's a, he, he was a Major League Baseball player. <laughs> like, I on. assume he played Little League. Yes, that's a fun fact about Jay. Graduated from high school. <laughs> Congratulations, Jay. Good job. I found a, an article about Jay that was from his local paper uh, that was written more recently, like 2019, and talks a little bit about him growing up. And he, in high school, was throwing 90 miles an hour. Because he was so tall, that helps with getting your release point closer to the plate and being able to throw the ball faster and getting it over over home plate faster he got that fastball up to the mid 90s by his pro days and was a generally a relief pitcher when he got to the majors uh minor league executive said he's big strong and has some meanness oh yeah he looks pretty friendly in this picture i think so he yeah he looks friendly he looks like your uncle's friend <laughs> he looks like your uncle's friend <laughs> I don't know any of your uncles, Matt. But... I, don't know, I don't know any of your uncles either, but you don't know my uncles. <laughs> looks like a guy where, like, if you were, went to your uncle's wedding, this guy would be at your uncle's wedding yes. party. Yes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yes. 
Jay Baller is your uncle's friend. <laughs> is the title of this episode. <laughs> Jay played one season with the Phillies professionally in 1982, four games. You know, some of these cards, they really fill them up with minor league stats. This one, there's just an empty space between 1982 and 1985. And so his stats pick back up in 85. Yeah, and and it's also interesting in that it says he was traded by the Indians to the Cubs. But like nowhere on this card does it say that he played for the Indians. Yeah. He was traded by the Phillies to the Indians as part of a five for one deal. He was one of the five who were traded for Von Hayes. So Von Hayes, I always, for some reason, liked Von Hayes. I, he was a 20 home run, 25, 30 steal guy for the Phillies. Pretty good player, all-star player. Jay clearly was not the centerpiece of that deal. So he didn't ever play in the majors for the Indians, just kind of bounced around the minors, traded again from the Indians to the Cubs. 85 played in, made it to the majors. 86 again played in the majors. Maybe both those seasons for part of the season. So then for 1987, yeah, things are not getting better for Jay. It looks like only 23 games played 29 innings and a 6.75 ERA. So that keeps climbing. Bad news for Jay. You know, 27 strikeouts for 29 innings. That isn't bad. But, but he did. But 20 walks in addition. So, yeah, that's it's not going to it's not going to keep you in the majors for long. And that's so I'm guessing that was an issue for him. Yeah. In in looking at his season there in 1987, he, it seemed like he had a lot of earned runs, um, averaged almost an earned run per game where he was maybe only pitching an inning per game. But to be fair to him, of those 22 earned runs, he had two really bad games where he gave up five runs in each of those games. So if you take those out of it, mm-hmm. his ERA is a little bit more respectable. Mm-hmm. And one of those games was the first game he pitched in 87 was he was called up for one game in May gives up five runs, sent back down to the minors, yeah. comes back up in August, and pitches pretty well. Pitches 12 games with a 2.93 ERA. Then he kind of fell apart in September and October and had a ERA over eight in his last 10 games of the season. This picture and what's happening here, I'm not sure when this was taken, but it might have been taken in early 88. Looks like probably spring training. If it was taken in early 88, Jay was coming back from a pretty dramatic medical issue. In December of 1987, he's out Christmas shopping. So he ends this season. Not, it's not going great. And then around Christmas time, he collapses in a shopping center. He's hospitalized with a 107-degree fever. Spent, oh, man. Yeah, spent three days in a coma, and his oh, heart stopped twice. So it's widely believed that it was a drug overdose. It was kind of an open rumor that most people thought Jay had an overdose to the extent that when the Chicago Tribune came up to him at spring training to interview him, he immediately tells the Trib reporter, I didn't do drugs. He knew what what it was about, that the reason why somebody would want to talk to him was about his collapse. And he claimed that it was some kind of toxic poisoning that he picked up from something he ate or drank or absorbed through his skin or something. He said they tested him and they found toxic poison damage to his liver and kidney. And there's a lot of unanswered questions. And he dropped 30 pounds while he was in the hospital. The Cubs also didn't renew his contract. And 
then re-signed him to a AAA contract starting in 1988. So if this was taken at 88 during spring training, that would be in the second chance that they're giving him. We didn't ask the cocaine question mark, but 107 degree fever, three days in a coma is no joke. That guy is lucky to be alive. That is that is terrible. Yeah, terrible and I think that the, actually there events. is a one of the articles about it was Jay Baller is just lucky to be here. We, you know, 20 years later, he had a run-in with the police that included cocaine as well. He did get his career back on track, and he, he ended up having a pretty successful minor league career. He was a really good minor league closer in AAA, and he bounced around, had minor league contracts with Seattle, Montreal, the Royals. He made it back to the big leagues again in 1990 and then went to the to the Phillies where he started his career and was again really successful in AAA but never really finding much success in the majors. He also in going back to the earlier part of our conversation, he played in Japan later in his career as well, not for Chibalote, but his uh, minor league career, he ended up with 10 seasons in AAA, 14 years total in the minors with 138 saves. Interesting thing about Jay, he is very successful in the Venezuelan Winter League. He played with some pretty successful major league players. That was you know, a popular thing to do was to get some reps in the Winter League, go down to Venezuela. He played with guys like Terry Francona. He was on a team with a very young Wilson Alvarez. He played for Aguilas del Zulia and a team in Caracas and Tiburones. There's some other very good pictures of Jay on Venezuelan League baseball cards, which that's you know another offshoot podcast that we can start. <laughs> Between 1982 and 1993, he played parts of five seasons there. He was the closer of the year three times and had a pretty good ERA, collective record of 13 and 11, 2.39 ERA. And he is a Venezuelan record holder. So the all-time league record with 56 saves in the Venezuelan League, which wow. supposedly remains intact. So Jay retires in 1992. He played his last season with the Phillies and with the Phillies AAA team in Reading, Pennsylvania, which was where he made his home in 1988 on the back of this card. So I, I alluded to it before. He was arrested in 2008 in a car with... $15,000 in cash with a cocked handgun that he was passing from hand to hand, snorting cocaine. I, I hope that he has figured out his issues since that 2008 arrest. I was unable to find anything else, so I, I hope that, that that's the case. And then there's an article here about that arrest where the judge kind of asks him the same to not come back to not be in this courtroom again. From this 2019 article from his hometown, it says that he currently lives in Pennsylvania with his wife and four kids. And I, I did find that he was coaching a, in a youth league and uh, he's a pitching specialist in this youth league. And the, I did find that in 2016. I haven't found anything since then, but I hope that things have turned out all right for Jay. So it wasn't a rare card, but there's a lot still to his story about the different places he went and, and what he's up to. Why did you pick him for this week? Well, one, I mean, this, yeah, this picture is just, it just was calling to me. <laughs> 
And I started doing research and he's four months away from near death. Hmm. And the Cubs have dropped him and re-signed him. And then he's granted free agency. And by March of 1988, probably when this card came out, he's on the Mariners. He never played a, a game in the major leagues for the Mariners. So you have a guy who, by the time I was holding this card in my hand and as an eight-year-old, I wouldn't see him in a game. And yet you have this moment in time where he is in spring training for the Cubs, ready to get restarted, get his, get his career back on track for the Cubs. And yeah, there's something hopeful and odd and a little sad about Jay here. That's a good way to end it. Thank you, David. Thank you, Jay Baller. Thank you to everyone at home who's listening. Please keep those requests and the mailbag rolling. We've been getting some really good feedback from listeners that we'll be sharing in a future episode. You can reach us at 1988topspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at tops1988. And we look forward to seeing you next week. <laughs>